Genesis chapter 37. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I'm going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, Go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks, and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, What are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They've moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, Let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm and myrrh and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites, and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern, and sold him for twenty shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites, who took him to Egypt. Matthew chapter 14 Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. 
But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Hello. This week I felt led to talk about trust. To state the obvious, we're in times that are stirring up many questions and unknowns. We're not able to plan far ahead. We really don't know what to anticipate next month, let alone what Christmas may look like. Yep, I've beaten Tim to naming the C word this year. For all of us, these questions and uncertainties and frequent changes can be unsettling. But of course, for those of us following Jesus, the story of our lives is embedded, woven into a bigger narrative. It is God's narrative, and we can pause to remember that none of these changes or questions have unsettled God. He is still sovereign, still trustworthy, the same yesterday, today and tomorrow, whatever tomorrow holds. In this context, the need of trust is brought into clearer focus. Throughout scripture, God's people are implored to choose to trust God based on his character. The beginning of trust is believing God is who he says he is. The completion of trust is when we make God our Lord by completely trusting and surrendering all that we are and have to him. Trusting that God is reliable, strong, loving and true gives us a basis for trust. Trust is a human characteristic, a personal choice. And today we have two examples of extraordinary trust in our Bible readings. Peter chooses to trust and step out in faith, whilst Joseph is thrown into a frightening and dangerous situation where his choice to trust invokes God's favour to rest on him. Peter and the other disciples are in a boat on the stormy waves of Lake Galilee when they see Jesus walking towards them on the water. Peter seeks clarification of whether it is his Lord, then steps out on the waves to walk to Jesus. The stepping out is an act of faith. But before that, Peter ascertains whether he trusts the one walking towards him. He checks identity, Lord, if it is you. And then he seeks the will of his Lord, trusting that it can only be good. Command me to come. In effect, he's checking whether he can trust. And from there, he can choose uh, 
how to enact his trust, an exercise of faith walking on water. Peter only begins to sink in the circumstances when he switches his focus away from the trustworthy Lord and onto the untrustworthy waves. The less apparent exercising of trust is from Joseph. Let's recall the story. He's the youngest and favourite son of Jacob and Rachel, Jacob being the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, the great patriarchs of God's people. God has given Joseph some unusual prophetic dreams, symbolising his father and brothers bowing down to him, the youngest. Joseph's brothers have taken umbrage, so when they get the chance, they strip his fancy cloak, throw him in a pit, then sell him as a slave for 20 pieces of silver. We hear a lot of Joseph's voice whilst life is rosy and full of God dreams, but when held captive and sold by his brothers, Joseph's voice falls silent in the narrative. We don't hear him protest nor despair. We don't know what he's thinking or feeling, but clearly circumstances are beyond his control. A chapter later, we hear that the Lord was with Joseph and that the Lord's favour was apparent to those around. Potiphar, his slave owner. From that and the testimony much later that Joseph declares that God was working all of this for good, we can believe that uh, Joseph chose to trust the goodness and faithfulness of God. He knew God's character and by his power he could transform a seemingly impossible situation into something glorious. Joseph trusted God and he trusted the dream promises would come to pass. From that heart of trust, he acted as a godly man of faith. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. However, in real life, most of us can have a hard time trusting God completely at one time or another. Part of the problem with trusting God is that we don't know him as well as we could, and God's ways don't always make sense to us. We're conditioned to rely on logical reason and instant results. But God says through the prophet Isaiah, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And the apostle Peter, who trusted Jesus and walked on water, wrote this shortly before his martyrdom. Do not ignore this one fact, beloved. That with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some think of slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Trust is dependent on the character of the one in whom we put our trust. There's a well-known saying, when you can't see God's hand, 
trust his heart. The trustworthiness of God is ultimately demonstrated in what he has said and done in Jesus Christ. Growing to know God in Jesus gives us grounds to choose to trust him in more ways. You may feel your trust is perfect already. Here are three questions we can ask of ourselves to determine whether there's room for growing in trust of God. Romans 15:13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Are you filled with all joy and peace? Christ asks, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Do you trust God enough to to be fully obedient? Paul said, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Do you trust God to the point of being content? Whilst we cannot change all the circumstances around us, we can choose to trust God regardless. That trust leads to joy, peace, contentment and obedience. I guess each of us have room for growing our trust in God. To finish, King George VI quoted Minnie Louise Haskins in his 1939 Christmas broadcast. I have said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be with you and those for whom you pray today and always. Amen.